HVAC 360 is brought to you today by Black Friday Sales at Lefty's Construction Mart. Looking for the perfect stocking stuffers? Look no further. This Friday at Lefty's, we have three products that will be a slam dunk. First is a steering wheel cover with, get this, banana peel print. That's right, this slip and drive cover will be a perfect fit for any tin knocker in your life. Next, we have large, empty Hillbilly Doo bottles for that contractor friend who is always on the go, go, go. No brakes slowing him down. Lastly, for those engineers on your list who like to play with their food, we have Mega Waffle Blocks. Build to your heart's content, and when you're hungry, just add some maple syrup and dig into your creation. So for this holiday season, remember, shop early, shop often, shop Lefty's Construction Mart. Hey, what's up? Welcome back. Matt Nelson here, your host for HVAC 360, helping you be the best and the brightest in the field of HVAC. We simply put, we do that by sharing lessons learned from the field and talking with industry experts. But I don't stop there. I want to encourage you to double down on your weekly helping of HVAC knowledge by hopping on over to HVAC360.com and joining my growing community of people just like you. This Friday, I'm going to be rolling out something special for Black Friday. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Those people on the list will know. I have a limited space, um, and only people on my email list were going to get a first shot and the deep discount at what we're rolling out. So this, in fact, may never even go public. All right, so what's up for this week? This week... In the holiday spirit, I'm going to be talking about sampling. Not the delicious dish variety, however, but the sampling that happens during commissioning. This is a topic I know I, I continue to harp on, but you know I keep, listen, I keep learning new lessons from projects I go on, and I, I just want to share those. So here we go. Um, let's get back to basics. Let's talk about what ASHRAE Guideline Zero says. Um, so ASHRAE Guideline Zero starts off with a definition. And they talk about quality-based sampling, okay? That's their sampling. They just don't list sampling. It's quality-based sampling. And their definition is a process for evaluating a subject, a sample, of a total population. The sample is based on known or estimated probability distribution of expected values. An assumed statistical distribution based on data from a similar project, assembly, or system or a random sampling that has scientific statistical basis. All right, now that is an absolute mouthful. And I think that, you know, anybody who just takes a second to look at this definition knows that there's a bunch of, you know, red flags that pop out. Um, you know, basically, estimated probability. I mean, nobody does that. Um, if you know uh, a statistical distribution... Uh, we're not statisticians. We're engineers. We're contractors. Um, we're people who work in the real world. And then when they have scientific, you know, random sampling that has scientific statistical basis, frankly, I don't see it. Um, however, they do have a an entire annex, um, and that's just kind of like an appendix. They just call it an annex. Annex N is for because uh, some of some ideas, some samples to 
<laughs> some sampling strategies to review for your project. Now, I think it's important to say is regardless of what how you feel about the topic of sampling, you need to spell it out clearly in your commissioning plan. Um, so I'll, I'll leave it there. We'll get into it a little bit more later. So wh where can sampling happen? Uh, we talk about it and, you know, it's actually when I was looking at the uh, guideline zero again for the first time in a long while, um, it did pop out at me that you can actually use it in a number of locations. It suggests you use it in pre-design to compare it to the OPR uh, of the project owner, that you use some sampling there. Um, you can use it in design review for the plans and specs. Um, during construction, uh, you can sample the submittals. Uh, any submittals that come in, you can do a sampling of those. Obviously, the, the type that I usually talk about and harp about is equipment installations and checklists. Um, those are you know, some of the keys uh, that I'll talk about a lot more in depth a little bit later. And you can, you can sample training. Now, I think a, a lot of the, the standard rates they have listed in the guideline, they say, you know, two or two, uh, 10 to 20 percent uh, is a typical sampling rate. Now, you can you can take a look at submittals uh, and training, and they can be a different value of 5 to 10 percent. And again, these typically are, you know, minimums. They're, they're guidelines. They're not code. They're not required. But these are guidelines that you should follow. So I guess here's really here's really the facts. Um, we can't check everything. You know, I think that's that's where sampling gets it right. Um, the fact that they set expectations to say, hey, you know what? We're not going to check everything. In fact, we're going to check, you know, a certain percentage. And I think that's that's very valuable to know what that value is um, and to set expectations. But, you know, and also, I, I think it's important to make sure and make very clear, regardless of where you set your expectations, where you set the sampling rate, that you also kind of remind everybody and set the expectations that, you know, whatever we do does not relieve the engineers and the contractors from their duties. Uh, in fact, in the guideline, it says that, you know, the contractors still are basically 100% responsible for checking everything, you know, they can't sample anything because every, all their work should be completely gone through. And, you know, I agree with that. But I also know that we all live in reality. So there are things that come up that kind of make things not work. And it's not always necessarily the contractor's fault. So uh, let's kind of go through these things and break them down a little bit. Um, so sampling during design, just whole hog. Um, I don't believe in it. Um, you know, when we talk about, you know, pre-design, making sure that the OPR matches what we do, um, again, it's all about setting expectations. We can't make sure that, you know, 100% of the OPR is covered. That might not be realistic, but we, we sure do a due diligence and make sure that we, have, you know, are following uh, best practices in reviewing the OPR against the design documents. If there are some things that are very strong and you know, because you've been talking with a client, uh, and you know in their OPR that are really important, uh, you know what to check on in the design. So even in the pre-design and making sure that things get, uh, you know, looked at properly. So sampling there doesn't make sense. I mean, if you're only going to take, you know, page one, page 10, you know, you can miss a whole lot in between. So sampling doesn't make sense. Now, sampling on design reviews 
also doesn't make sense. Uh, design reviews are probably the one uh, most undervalued commodity that you know commissioning authorities do, and it is really super valuable. Um, again, because no, nothing's been purchased, it's all on paper. It's it's the right time to identify things that are inconsistencies and potential, you know, RFIs and change orders that are going to be going out in the field. So when you're talking about sampling on the design side, um, it just it does not make a lot of sense, especially if you dive deep into what they recommend as far as Annex N, uh, and they talk about taking a very you know taking a percentage. You know, taking a couple, uh, you know, like 10% of the, you know, 10% of the plan and just focusing on that area for all the plans, just kind of like doing a deep dive on this one section of the, um, uh, you know, of the design going from mechanical to plumbing to electrical and making sure that everything's coordinated. You know, we know that in reality that just doesn't work. Um, there are things and areas that are, you know, hotspots, you know, if you're going to check coordination between uh, mechanical and electrical uh, and even plumbing, you're, you're going to check those mechanical rooms. You're going to check those electrical rooms. You're going to check those highly concentrated areas where stuff is going and you're going to make sure that things are coordinated. I mean, if you take your 10% and again, you know, it's, it's statistically, you know, if you're just taking a look at office space, it's it's not right, but if if you use your you know, just use and uh, just use your past knowledge and go after the mechanical rooms and just and that's your ten percent and that's okay that's all I could get to look at. You know what? You're gonna miss some other things. So it it goes goes either way. I, I you need to really look at the whole drawing to be able to identify you know different things. And obviously, you know the way I look at it, I. I have a certain number of hours that I can invest in a design review. And I go through the design review, and when that, you know, I try to hit the most important stuff, the frequently missed stuff first, and I kind of work down. Um, and I could probably, I don't know if I've done a uh, design review one, but I design review podcast, but hey, you know, that may be another one. So, but again, you you kind of take it in an order of importance, um, as far as checking things out. Um, so I, again, I don't believe in sampling a certain area for the design review, uh, like the annex recommends. Um, again, construction submittals, eh, you know, maybe I don't find a lot of value in construction submittals, but you know, that's not to me, you know, that's not to say that there aren't huge opportunities to make sure that, you know, something's caught early. Um, you know, that's the time to do it. Obviously, you want to, if you're going to, you know, do uh, submittals, you're going to do the the most, um, the largest pieces, the most expensive pieces, the pieces with the greatest lead time. And you're going to make sure that you go through and you take a look at those first. Um, so if you're going to do any, you know, uh, I guess sampling submittals, you know, maybe there's an opportunity. Um, what about training? Uh, going through and, you know, at the end, you know, it, it, it's best if you can be there at training. Um, and, you know, I just got done with a project that I was actually required to videotape the training. Um, but really, you're going to be, the, the value is, is that be there at all, um, be there if at all possible. 
because you're the one who actually knows probably the most about the systems that are going in there. If there's any questions, uh, you're going to have some great input for the owner, some great value uh, to make that training just that much more, you know, just that much uh, better. So if you can be there at all possible, sometimes you don't, you know, the timing just doesn't work out and you can't be there. Um, that's just the way things happen. But if at all possible, you want to be there for the, the important systems. You want to be there for the HVAC. You want to be there for the, you know, plumbing electrical, if that's, if that's in your scope. And, and you know, it all, all centers around what your scope is. Um, and, you know, with all these things, I think that it's important to, to realize that the sampling rate, you know, does have that asterisk. It says, you know, hey, I'm going to check a certain percentage. If I don't find any defects, you know, we're just going to move on. If we do find defects, uh, then we're going to test another, you know, percentage, whether it be 10%, 20%. And again, that goes back to your uh, commissioning plan and how you have that set up, um, what you're actually going to do. So those are some of the things that I wanted to talk about. Now I'm going to dive into the equipment. That's, you know, kind of saved it for the last. Um, and, you know, you know, it's one of my big pet peeves. Uh, but, you know, things like, obviously, when you have a lot of a, a certain piece of equipment, it's it's real easy to uh, kind of just broad brush it. But there's a couple of reasons why you shouldn't. I'll kind of go through some of my examples, and I'll talk about why afterwards. So, one of the classic examples, VAV boxes. I don't like sampling VAV boxes. Um, I would rather test all the VAV boxes uh, rather than just, you know, really get down to two or three and make sure that those work. Um, because there's just things that go on that could happen to one or two. And if you get those comfort complaints, it's, it's just not, it's, it's not real. Um, it's not real value to the client, um, to dive deep on two or three when you could have just broad brushed and covered and make sure that everything's working, uh, for, for your client, um, instead. So, Here's some things that I learned um, over the past past month. Um, so talk about uh, swapped uh, thermostats. Now you can have, um, and we're going to get into the again get into the whys later. But you can have a VAV box. So you can have, say, in a classroom setting, and this was what it was. There was a classroom setting, and a teacher was hot, so she cranked the thermostat all the way up, and nothing happened. And a teacher across the hall said, hey, you know what? I am just boiling over here. So she's she went, she's like, okay, I'm going to turn it all the way down. And the person, you know, the other teacher's like, ah, you know, I turned it up and I'm getting colder. I'm like, why is that? Um, and this, unfortunately, and it just kind of blows my mind, was in a brand new school. It was a K through 12 school that this happened. And in fact, it was just, um, you know, it was a school that was commissioned. That's what really breaks my heart. You know, I don't know who did the commissioning, but it was commissioned. I know that for a fact. Um, and this was allowed to happen. These This cross-connection of thermostats to VAV boxes. And, you know, they had, you know, not only discomfort, but they were wasting, you know, wasting energy. Um, and, you know, it's like nobody, nobody can really troubleshoot this at the school level. You know, it's, it's not something that even though you kind of say, well, it kind of makes, it seems obvious, but if you don't know that, you know, the one, you know, classroom A and classroom B, problems are related, you can't necessarily resolve them 
especially if there's multiple um, problems like this. Um, and I know that you know the the one thing the one thing that just kind of you know blew my mind is there is literally companies out here and you know you can use this you know take this for what it's worth but there are companies out there that are actually their business model is going into uh, new schools and correcting issues that they find and saving energy um, this one school they did they did you know I mean obviously the thermostat swap was relatively minor but they ended up saving four hundred thousand dollars a year in energy um and this is a public institution this is this is taxpayer money this this really you know it just kind of it blows my mind that this is actually allowed to happen but you know it can happen you know you do sampling this can happen on a routine basis you know you just can't get around it um, you know, there's, there's one, and you know, here's, here's one case where I have a project. There was, it was a small, small project. There were 16 VAV boxes. I tested every single one of them. Um, and I found out that one of the thermostats, you know, doesn't, didn't work. Um, you know, and I, and I think, you know, to some of, you know, how I do this, um, I, d I just don't do it one by one. I usually you know, take a bunch, you know, like six at a time or whatever, and I'll go through and I'll, I'll make sure that I'm doing it in order and I'll actually set the thermostats, you know, whether it's, you know, way down, way up in the middle. Uh, and I'll actually verify that it actually uh, changes with the building automation system. That's when the con temperature controls contractor is there. I'll verify that, you know, I'll do like six boxes at a time and we can go ahead and make sure that yes, you know, that thermostat that I know should be controlling the box that, that is serving that room is actually doing that job. And in that particular case, the thermostat wasn't working. The override wasn't working. The thermostat wasn't working. Um, and, you know, again, it is just, it was one of those that, um, a thermostat that, uh, if you remember last week, it just had a, a thumb wheel. At a thumb wheel and override button and no digital readout display anything so you didn't know that anything was going wrong with it and you know it was just that's that's the way it was so uh there was another another uh case where you're checking the discharge air so you're testing whether or not it's heating and cooling so you put it into heating mode and some of the some of the uh uh, VAV boxes, they don't heat up. And you're thinking, well, you know, there's something wrong with the, the heating coil. Well, we took a look at it and found out that, in fact, the discharge air temperature sensor, for whatever reason, wasn't put, it was. It looked like it was installed one, at one point in time, but it was removed for some reason and it wasn't put back in. So it was just kind of dangling there. Um, and again, this happens for various reasons. Um, also too, that, you know, it, it could be, a, a case where it is the hydronic system and it was just, I've had cases where there was stuff stuck in a strainer going to the coil. So there was absolutely no flow, very little flow to no flow going to this heating coil. So all these things happen, um, and you're never going to catch them if you're just going to be doing a sampling. You know, if I was to sample 16 boxes, I might test two or three. And would I've ever checked, you know, whatever I got all the issues that were, you know, up with that? No, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have happened. I would have picked the wrong ones invariably and I would have missed it. And you know what? I would have felt, you know, pretty bad about, Hey, you know what? I, d I didn't test that one. And there was comfort complaints that, you know, stem from that. Um, so th that's VAV boxes. So again, sampling with VAV boxes, no. And those are some kind of fresh examples from the last couple of weeks. 
unit heaters, unit heaters and cabinet unit heaters are also another one of those things because they're not necessarily tied into the building automation system that they get missed all the time. Um, you know, I've, I've even had owners saying, hey, you know what, these unit heaters, they never worked. Um, and, I, you know, it's, it's unfathomable to me to, to say, hey, you know what, you bought this piece of equipment, you put it in, and it doesn't work. And, you know, in fact, it happened to me um, again, it happened on a, uh, on a project where, uh, there was, there was two buildings, a small outbuilding and a main building. Um, and the small outbuilding did not have a hydronic system at all. Uh, but there were, there were unit heaters that were in the, the main building. Um, but they had one, you know, and it was simple, simple mistake. There were six unit heaters in there. One of those was actually located in the outbuilding. Now, they installed it. They put it in. You know, they wired it up, but there was no hot water to go to it. Um, and again, you know, as far as the drawings were concerned, they the contractors did what the contractors needed to do, but that didn't cut it for the owner. That that space would have been, you know, it would have chilled down. It would have been cool. They could have been, you know, burst pipes, things like that. Um, that was not okay. And I, you know, it's funny enough, as, as many times as I've looked at it, I'm like, I thought somebody would have just mentioned it or, you know, because it had to make sense to, you know, a number of people on the project, but it was never escalated to the point that somebody said, okay, you know what, we're going to have to, you know, you know, just bring back the, uh, or, or get rid of the um, hot water unit heater and put in an electric one. You know, it's just, it just, it never occurred to anybody to escalate that. So when I, I had finally had to bring it up, I'm like, it was kind of late in the project, but I'm like, I thought somebody had handled this already. You know, that was my assumption. So that was kind of, that was on me. But, you know, again, it happens that, you know, there are just things that, that can't be connected. Um, and again, uh, there are other, you know, um, other cabinet uni heaters that, you know, they just, they they never get connected. It, it just blows my mind. They, you know, it might be, you know, the hot water. It might be, hey, they never got insulated. Hey, they, they never got the electrician, never came back and, you know, hooked up the, the, uh, the power wiring for these things. Um, it's, a, it's a number of things, but the unit heaters and the cabinet unit heaters, those things are always, they're always something. It's, it's a high probability that something will go wrong with those pieces of equipment. So let's talk about a little bit, uh, let's talk about why, why they go wrong. Well, uh, in a couple of cases, and this this kind of goes um, beyond just the piece of equipment that I mentioned, you have young installers. Uh, so the young installers may not necessarily know exactly what to do, where to land things, um, you know, things like that. Um, the, the VAV box sometimes is not in the same room that it serves. Sometimes you have a VAV box that is in a room, but it serves the next room, and the box that it serves is in, a, in an adjacent space. So they end up wiring to the nearest box. Um, seems you know, logical, but you know, especially since they don't know, they don't have the holistic approach, they're not following the ductwork to say, hey, you know what, this is not connecting to the diffusers in this room. That doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, I'm sure if you get more seasoned veterans, um, in there, you know, it would, it would not happen, but you know, with, uh, kind of young bucks or people that are even rushed, uh, it happens all the time. And especially if they're maybe side by side, sometimes you mix up the, uh, the wires, um, and terminate them in the wrong, wrong boxes. 
a lot of times you have, uh, you, you know, you have, it, it wasn't your fault at all. Um, other trades came behind you. Um, they pulled on your wire, they cut your wire, they uh, stretched your wire. I mean, all it takes is, is stretching the wire to kind of, you know, make these micro breaks and these fine uh, controls wires. And, you know, all of a sudden it's kind of, it's working, it's not working, it's working, it's not working. And it, it just drives controls guys crazy that they can't identify exactly where um, where the break is. You know, if it pulls out, if something's pulled out or not terminated properly, you know, that's at the end of a wire. That's pretty easy to identify. But if it's something that's in the middle of the wire, you know, more than likely they're going to pull a whole new wire instead of trying to troubleshoot exactly where in the wire uh, it is because um, they're certainly not going to splice it. Um, that's just not, that's something that's not going to happen. Um, what about the uh, the old classic, it was Friday, or it was the end of the day. A lot of times when you're dealing with these, you know, certain situations where you have the the issues, it's, it's as simple as that, uh, as simple as, okay, you know, I don't know where I left off, um, or I button things up to make them look like I finished, but I forgot that I needed to go back and, and terminate that, or or complete a couple more steps. So a lot of those are, you know, very, very typical. You know, left mid-installation, um, same difference as the end of the, end of the day, mid-installation, um, you know, they just, hey, you know, I forgot where I was. Um, especially some of the uh, the other ones, um, you know, some of the malicious ones, like the sock and the strainer. Um, and, you know, I mean, there's so many more um, malicious uh, malicious issues out there. I think every commissioning authority out there has, you know, two or three of them that they are like, yeah, there was a, you know, a big pipe and somebody threw a, you know, four by four in there and it just kind of jammed up, you know, just anything. Um, there's, there's all these examples of disgruntled employees. Somebody got fired, fired on a Friday and they wanted to get back at their employer. So that's what they did. Um, it's not beyond some of these, you know, it's certainly not professional and, you know, a lot of them just say, you know, hey, you know what, I'm out of here and I can't believe that uh, you're letting me go. So I'm going to make it hard on your life to be able to go through and troubleshoot and try to find exactly what I did. But I'm going to you know, leave you a little Easter egg and, and you're going to have to try to find it or, you know, just have the owner deal with it for the rest of the building's existence until like, something gets chained off. Um, a lot of times, too, it's it's something that is too hard for somebody to finish. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's a real difficult situation. They don't want to get it to get to it. Um, and they leave it for somebody else. Uh, this happens, you know, especially with the controls guys a lot. Um, they'll be left to, to, to clean somebody else's, um, you know, programming up or graphics up or, you know, some of the wiring, uh, they'll have to go ahead and, tr and troubleshoot it a lot of times, especially if they, you know, have multiple people that have been you know, working with them and working on them. Um, and, you know, it, it's really no one person's job to make sure that it works. You know, why? <laughs> because that's your job as a commissioning authority. You're the one who actually go through and make sure that everything, everything works. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, too, it, it's, uh, you know, I think the, the last thing I have on here is things get closed up by other people. 
You know, it's not just yourself that it says, hey, I want to look like I'm finished. Um, it's other people saying, hey, you know what? We need to tidy up here. Uh, and they need to close things up, close some, you know, junction boxes up, you know, close, put some panels on and, and everything like that. And they just don't know things aren't complete. They want it to look complete. They want it to look tidy. They want to look like they've you know, completed their job or they're doing their job or they're getting on the contractors and making sure that, you know, progress is being made and they just close things up and it just, it, it doesn't work. All right. Well, that's it for this week. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Hope this is helpful. If you did find it helpful, let me know. Uh, if we have a unique situation that you found and identified with sampling, just let me know that too. You can always reach out to me at matt at hvac360.com. Uh, if you know somebody who's looking for this information, consider passing uh, this episode along and sharing it. If you're not a subscriber, uh, again, consider joining the growing community of people just like you over at HVAC360.com for more weekly goodness. Uh, Lastly, I'd be greatly honored, and it helps the podcast out so much if you leave me a rating or review uh, on Apple Podcasts. Um, And if you do that, I'll give you a shout out. So, um, did that before? I'll do it again. Well, that's a wrap for this episode of HVAC 360. Happy Thanksgiving, and let the sampling of those delicious dishes begin. I'm Matt Nelson, helping you be the best and the brightest in the field of HVAC. And as always, know what you build and share what you know. 